0: Welcome to Career Kings, hosted by Chirog Tasker and Jason Spencer, the podcast dedicated to helping you start, accelerate, and dominate in your careers. Jason, can you tell me what your strengths and weaknesses are? Sure. There are two strengths that I like to focus
1: on that I think will best resonate with you. First, I think I'm very effective at leading large and complex organizations. I have a lot of experience successfully managing teams of multiple hundred people mixed with different types of employees, whether they're high-paid corporate individuals, union employees, hourly employees, where I was able to use the right amount of influence and motivation customized to each group. To really produce a conducive and winning and results driven culture. So much so that in my time in my previous position, our employee satisfaction surveys maintain some of the highest in the company. I've uh, also produced several gold circle winning employees, which is one of the highest achievement in an employee team member can achieve. So I think that's uh, very important, especially considering the business unit that this position would oversee and the complexities of that team. The second is I really feel that I have a a strong knack as being a turnaround specialist. I have an incredible ability to diagnose an issue and effectively and and most importantly, efficiently implement a marketing plan to solve those issues and, and turn around an organization whether that's a large casino with failing revenues or an underperforming concert venue or a loyalty program that doesn't resonate anymore. In each of those examples, I quickly was able to diagnose those issues and put a plan in place, which I detailed a little bit more in my resume that garnered great results. And I know the business unit that I'll be taking over in this position has been operating in the black and has had an impressive revenue growth over the last couple of years. But I did notice growth is actually slowing down a little bit. So that's one of the first things that I like to tackle and try to turn around here. In terms of weaknesses, uh, we are a global company here and the unit that I will receive I understand is uh, seeing growth in China and I've never been there. So I think it's important for me to quickly um, get up to speed on on cultural and business innuendos of China. And I know that although right now represents a, a small piece of the business unit, but I think there's a lot of
0: opportunity there. and I think there's opportunity for growth on my end. Thanks, Jason. I thought you did a uh Really good job answering that question. Actually, I don't have a whole lot of constructive criticism. I just want to highlight some of the things I thought you did really well that most people don't do. You give the examples of where your strengths and weaknesses were. You also provided the supporting evidence to prove that you did those things and that you are those things. And then you even did the last most important step that I think is easily forgotten when most people answer these questions, which is the what's in it for me. And you kind of articulate and why this particular interviewer should care that you have those strengths given the evidence. I even liked how you use research to support your claims in this answer without using the research to say, aha, I did research. It was more of a, the research I did is helping to support the point I'm trying to make here. So I thought you brought it all together very, very nicely. You used the weakness that isn't like a major deficiency, but it was something that was real. It showed a lot of self-awareness that you needed to get that type of multinational experience that you can quickly be able to perform in this job. So I thought you brought together all forms of what your strengths and weaknesses are with supporting evidence and what's in it for the interviewer in terms of knowing that piece of information about you and then added the extra layer of using research to advance. So I thought you did that very well. Thank you. Jason, for today's podcast episode, our main section, I wanted to have a discussion with you about helping our audience with basic company research. And I say this because I think a lot of people don't know where to start or simply open up a web browser and go to the company's website and start digging around. And after an hour, feel comfortable that they quote unquote did research. But I don't know if they're doing a full robust set of research, getting valuable information that actually is going to help them the interview and so on and so forth. And so I wanted to just discuss today ways to help our audience do basic company research and then more advanced company research, but not just for the sake of doing it, but for the sake of getting value that's going to help them better position themselves in an interview. I don't think that proving that you did research in an interview is valuable, but using research to better substantiate your points in an interview fares well for the candidate. And so what's your general approach to doing company research before an interview? How do you start? Where do you get going? Sure, I think it all starts with an
1: understanding and level setting of why I'm doing the company research, and I think you articulated that perfectly. You do it in a way to interweave with your story to separate yourself from the rest and best position yourself. So with that in mind, any job that I approach, I pretty much look at research in four major categories, the industry, the company, the business unit, and the function. And then within each of those verticals, I go pretty deep and get an understanding of the necessary information in that area in such a way that I can interweave it within my story, position myself best. So when you look at industry, you want to look at overall macro industry trends. So you're able to talk more than just within a company silo. And obviously your company research, you want to know about the company and about the influencers in the company as well. Something that is forgotten a lot is if you can... Research the business unit that you will be working in. Usually you can find more information about the unit in 10K reports and things like that. And finally, don't forget to always brush up on the function. If you are applying for a marketing role, you should know about what are the latest trends in marketing and look at some white papers, things of that nature that you'll be able to weave in your story. So that's my overall approach is breaking it down
0: into those four verticals and going deep in each. And I think that helps provide some structure so that you're not just digging around until you feel you've done enough. I kind of do something very similar, but said differently. I start with the questions in mind instead of just opening up and doing open-ended research. I forget the questions I want to get answered. One may be, what are the products this company has? How do they position them against their competitors? Who are the competitors? What are the top 10 trends in the industry? Who are the key executives and what kind of backgrounds do they come from? What is the current stock price? How has it moved recently and why? And so when I frame these 10 or 20 or 30 questions, and then I start to research those questions instead of open-ended questions, I start to get the answers to the questions that I want. And the goal is that I'm not looking to be able to test robustly against the company I'm looking to find little soundbots, nuggets of valuable information that can best position myself. You had a really good example when you said you learned that they're expanding into the Chinese market and this business unit has to do with the Chinese market in your example question at the beginning of this episode. And you acknowledge that you don't have as much experience in the Chinese market and that you'd want to get more engaged to understand that nuance is a little bit better. It's one thing to say, I know that you have products... X, Y, and Z, it's even to say, I notice you have products X, Y, and Z, competitors position product Y differently, and I have experience in doing that, and this is my background as evidenced by, and this is why you should care. It's a much deeper way of interweaving the research you've done with positioning yourself favorably and proving why the interviewer should care. And that's exactly right. And that's how I look at it. After I do
1: this research and I imagine have it laid out on a table, I then take my resume and my background and my experiences and overlay that on top of that research and find out how I can interweave in as we brought up in my examples below talking about understanding that I'll be over a large team and how I can interweave that knowing that they're a very complex organization, how I can weave that into strengths and weaknesses, as well as finding out that their business unit has actually seen some slower growth recently. And so once you do all the research, it's important to overlay your experiences and your skill set to come out with those soundbites. I think that's very impactful. Yeah.
0: It's all about what you do with the information that you've researched. And so, nail this point home, so audience realize the difference between the candidate who doesn't know the company's core values, the candidate who can regurgitate the company's five core values, the candidate that can say, I understand these are your five core values, and here's why I excel in each of these five core values. And even lastly, the candidate who says... I know your five core values. Here's where my background resonates in these five core areas. And here's how I would use those core values in this role to extend the product line. And and that took you along a long spectrum of like very bad to very good and everything in between. But you can see how you can use that information to position yourself and really say, not only did I did my research, but this is helping better position myself in a favorable light.
1: Yeah, and one other point I like to make. You should not only do research on the company industry, but also around the people who will be interviewing you as well. And you do so not to be big brotherish, but to create a more fruitful discussion during the interview process. I love to go on LinkedIn and thoroughly look at my interviewer's background. So when it's time for me to ask questions, a lot of times I can reference that background if they have, you know, deep experience in loyalty marketing through that organization. So I'm kind of creating a conversation that that person could provide me with valuable information and expound upon on, which makes for a more fruitful interview. So don't forget to do research on your interviewers as well. Yeah. And again, I
0: hope this doesn't sound idealistic, but it's not crazy to do these types of things. Imagine if you looked up and you can say, I looked at three LinkedIn profiles of Three people in this same type of role and I noticed that finishing projects on time were a common theme. I also believe that's very important. Here are three examples of where I finished projects on time in the face of adversity. Or even further, I talked to two people in similar roles in the company and they told me that they love the company, but sometimes communication can be a challenge here. And here's where I can help alleviate some of those communication problems as evidenced by my time in XYZ company. And this is why you should care because it seems to be a problem here, an opportunity for improvement. Very different level of richness to how you use those types of research that you kind of articulated through LinkedIn or reaching out to people. Exactly. But just so we talk about the basics, I like Jason's approach of researching by the four levels. I like my approach of thinking what questions you want to answer in mind and going to find those. And all together, better position yourself in a good light for the interview. You know, one place to start, just so you know where to go. Obviously, the company website, go to their about section, find out what their core values are, their mission, their vision, their strategy. Go look up news and stories about the company and products and things that are going on in the marketplace. Understand their products. Sometimes there are white papers that they publish about their products. Sometimes there's competitive products that try to talk about different trade-offs that can help you better understand how these products are positioned on a more advanced side. You can go look at the stock price. You can go look at moving the stock price and what news drove movement, what buy and sell side analysts are saying about the company in the face of macroeconomic changes and competitive challenges. You can look at key executives and their backgrounds they come from and where you have in common. Uh, we mentioned looking at job responsibilities of relevant employees and understanding common threads. Jason mentioned before, the 10K and the annual report can be really, really great place to get key things that are going on in the business. Don't be afraid to look at complex financial charts. There also is a lot of management commentary in those reports that can be really, really helpful. I've even gone as far as listening in on earnings calls and understanding what's going on in the business. Or looking up on the vault or glass door, things that, that are documented from other people that I've interviewed with the company in terms of the types of things the company is looking for. And those are all types of things that you can do and places to go. But I think ultimately, Jason, and my approach to looking at the four levels of research and starting with the questions in mind, will help you really get your basic company and advanced company research to a point where you can use to your advantage. Totally agree. This week, we're fortunate to have our special guest, Daniel, with us as we're talking about how to conduct basic company research and separate yourself in the interview process. Daniel is currently a very successful senior leader and a senior director role at Cox Communication, but has had an interesting career before that. First of all, welcome and thanks for joining us today. Can you give us a little bit of background on your career timeline, kind of beginning how you landed and maneuvered to get to where you are now? Yeah,
2: sure. Thanks for having me, Chirag. really appreciate the opportunity. To start off with my career, I started out out of undergrad, going to the Boston Consulting Group, where I spent two years helping companies and CEOs really understand how they think about business. It was my training ground. From there, I left to pursue entrepreneurship. So chased a dream of being a sports agent, and so did that for a period of four years and realized that once I got engaged, that my risk profile was a bit different. So I chose to go to business school, and after leaving business school, at that point in time, I was married with a family, and I made an interesting choice to go into the world of telecom as opposed to some other interesting industries that folks would find maybe a little bit more compelling like a Google or a Nike, I went with the more steady place where I could go and feel like I could be the cream that rose to the top in that type of industry. And spent five years at AT AT&T in a variety of jobs through a rotational program. So did a combination of construction, pricing, sales, marketing, product, strategy, and customer experience before Jumping over to Cox Communications, where took on a product role and most recently was promoted into a position to help lead our strategic partnerships group. And that really just entails negotiating contracts and really managing the relationships with one of our largest clients.
1: That's a pretty impressive track, especially knowing how tough it is. To land that BCG job out of undergrad, that was probably one of the toughest jobs to land at that stage in your career. With that being one of the experiences that you went through, can you talk about how your job preparation was then getting that BCG job, which I'm sure you had to do some special things, to how it evolved over the years to the time you were with AT&T and then finally preparing for Cox.
2: Well, Jason, you're absolutely right. At BCG, I think the stats were 16,000 folks submitted a resume and 10 people got a job for the summer internship. So it really was quite a funnel. Luckily, I had a great roommate who helped practice case interviews literally for three hours a night for two months. So we constantly spent a lot of time going through case interviews, which were specific to consulting and That was probably the most intense interview preparation I've ever done. So everything post that point was and has been more focused on the company itself, more focused on the people who I'm actually going to be interfacing and talking with. And to be quite honest, at this point, most of my interview preparation is really spent learning who it is that I'm going to be interfacing with. Got two different skills that you're trying to display I believe in an interview, one is your IQ, the other is your EQ. I'm going to skew higher on the EQ side, although I hope my IQ is good enough, is what I like to say. So as long as you have proven track record that you can speak to eloquently, I think the biggest key is really being able to connect with people. And with social media so prevalent in everything and pervasive in everything that we do in our lives today... It's not that hard to understand who it is that you're going to be speaking with when it comes time for an interview. So as an example, the last interview I went on uh, to join a new company was with Cox Communications, and I had eight different interviews I had to sit down with people on. And so I made it a point that at each and every point in time, whether it was a college choice that somebody made and I could talk about football whether it was a college or business school choice that they made that was the same as mine, whether it was uh, the board seats that they had and how those board seats impacted my life and how those connected to me. These are all points of conversation I was able to bring to the table and draw them into me as a person, as I was very interested in them as a person. Now, all the other stuff that you learn to do in terms of Understanding what the company does, what they stand for, the type of culture that they have. Those are what I would call baseline expectations. So those sorts of things you have to do and have to be able to speak to. And those really come out when it's time to ask questions.
1: Can you tell the audience those baseline things that you're talking about? Right.
2: Well, a good place to start is always the company website. You can peruse there, but that is just the very, very tip of the iceberg. There are company 10Ks, you know, as an accounting major at Morehouse, I always kind of dive into the 10K and understand some of the key things that are happening with that company. The 10K is full of all sorts of really management impacting issues. What you're going to find in there are the things that are most critical to that company for that given time period. And so the 10K, even more so than the annual report, which you can easily pull down off the website, is going to go into a lot more depth around if there's been uh, any recent company purchases or spinoffs that the company's had. There's lots of a different detail. Even if there are management changes at a high level, you, you get to know and understand who the leaders of the business are. The 10K really lays out a great set of information for you to to be able to leverage as you think about questions that are impacting the specific job that you may be interviewing for. And I
0: think we talked a lot, Jason and I, earlier in the podcast about leveraging these conventional places to get content or research on the company. What I really would love you to help shed some light on is how do you use the information you gleaned from the website or the 10K or the earnings call or whatever the research point you went to? How do you leverage that? Because you don't get a quiz in your interview as to what the stock price currently is. You rather want to find ways to leverage that information. So can you think of or help provide some like instances when you leverage information, or can you think of just ways that someone might leverage that information and use it to pivot a conversation to put yourself in the best light?
2: Well, upon exiting business school and looking for that first job, I was interviewing for a rotational program at at and and that particular program had lots of different functions, lots of different areas of opportunity for you to talk through and talk about. But the interesting thing about that particular job and role up front is that they were building general managers mm-hmm. and general managers need to have a good sense of everything that's going on across the business, whether it's finance, whether it's operations, whether it's HR, whether it's product offerings, etc. And so at the time where I was was entering, it was 2010 and we were in the middle of a recession there were a lot of business challenges that many, many companies had. And the phone company, quite frankly, was also having those challenges, although they were in the middle of a a great growth period with cellular phone usage. And so while they had elements of their business that were strong, There were also parts of their business, like the home phone business, that it was important for you to be able to talk through, sort of think through the key challenges for a company and the reasons why you actually want to work there. That question comes up a lot of it. Well, why do you want to work at whatever company you're interviewing for? The answer to that question embedded in that should be some of the challenges that you're going there to solve and how those then tie into the particular role in which you're interviewing for. And so I help people prepare for interviews all the time, especially, you know, in, in the role that I'm in now at Cox, I bring people into my office and I talk to them about the company, the company culture, the founders, which are very important and critical to the culture that's created because it's privately owned, it's a family owned company. But there are some very basic things that you may not be able to find from anywhere else. So again, here's another area of opportunity for folks who are interviewing is to seek people out who you know. I am more than happy to help folks out and get them prepared for interviews and talk to them about areas of the business that are not going to be in the newspaper or on a website or in a 10K, but are things that are happening in the business real time that are applicable to the job that they are applying for and how the skills that they built over time tie into that particular job and to the overall sort of mission? It it seems like if you add the basic company
1: research you do on your own and then you talk to people, that would help you more organically get off that information in an interview where, like you said, it's embedded into your questions and it doesn't seem like you're trying too hard to spew that information out there because you spoke to some folks, you have, have a little bit of different insight and then you could pull in the, the company research you have. So I think that's a great point there to kind of make it feel a little bit more natural. Just don't do the research. Also talk to someone else and then you're able to tie that into the research that you've already sure. done and kind of make it come up in natural sure, conversation.
0: Sure. And what I also think I heard in what you said, Daniel, was you could do the research, simple internet search on what the top, say, three trends are in the industry you're interviewing for. And what I think I heard you say in there is those are the top three trends that maybe any candidate could research. It's the next three that may be a little bit more obscure that you can make maybe more valuable in a conversation because it'll separate you better because everybody knows the top three trends in this industry. You need to research them because everybody needs to know that. But I I kind of heard you talk a little bit more about getting to the trends that may not be so prevalent in the news that can drive more interesting conversation.
2: Right, and those are the things that are going to be buried in the 10K. Those are the things that are going to be, May only reveal by talking to an employee of the company. Absolutely, and you know, speaking to employees again, you know, there's a lot of things that folks aren't going to want to share, right, with just any candidate. So when you go talk to that person, although they're not the official interview, that's also an interview, right? Because they're they're going to be able to come around. The bin here. I just got a text message literally five minutes ago that said, "Hey, I just talked to." this person at the company that you introduced me to, they thought I'd be a great candidate. Okay, perfect. Now I get to also run a circle around to the hiring manager. And now you've got two um, people saying, hey, this person would be good for the job. And all of that came out of somebody taking the effort and initiative to not only come to the office, speak to someone, but be prepared with their resume, know how they fit, understand the types of opportunities they're looking for, be able to eloquently talk about the career that they want to have, not just in the next job, but in a career. So try to also separate thinking about interviewing for a job and interviewing for a career. You know, for a lot of at least corporate entities today, with people who are moving in and out of jobs so often and moving out of companies so often, um, people who are able to talk through what it means to have a career at a place means that you have a little bit more perspective on just what that one job is yep. that you're in. That,
1: that's, that's great advice. Outside of just company research, just to close the loop on the career research, if you will, can you talk about the importance of industry research and for people not to just be so focused on what the actual company is doing that they totally miss out on what's going on in the industry as a whole?
2: Yeah. So for every company, they are part of uh, these associations. Right. Their associations are great resources for information. So when I was an accounting major, one thing that I looked at as a Morehouse alum was the National Association of Black Accountants. I could go there, figure out, you know, the types of things that were important to people at that time. Today in the cable industry, you know, I'm going to go to the Cable Labs conference, not because there's anything in particular there that I need to know, but it's an opportunity to learn about the things that are happening in my industry for which I'm working in. If you're trying to break into an industry or if you're in an industry already and you're interviewing internally, understanding all of those dynamics are critical. Who are the key stakeholders that are making decisions that are going to impact what happens? You know, so you could say, you know, in the cable industry, how important is a Cisco? It seems like they're not really, they don't offer cable television, but they're all the back office pieces of how all of that technology comes together. As an example, there's other vendors, of course. But man, there's the the tariff issue that's going on right now. How is that impacting that supplier that then impacts the cable industry? You know, being able to tie all of those pieces together, I think, is is called critical thinking and showing that you are somebody who's sure. able to tie some pieces You're together. You're suggesting get a couple layers deeper, tie it
0: together. Mm-hmm. And put yourself in the best light and, and you'll have a much more resonating story about why you're the best candidate. Right. And even just a better conversation. How do you separate yourself or any other ways that you typically use tactic strategies to really separate yourself in the interview process, aside from the company research component that we've been talking
2: about, to make sure that you stand out from the rest of the crowd? Well, I may have mentioned this a little bit earlier, but I think my ability to connect with people on a personal level is the thing that helps me really stand out in a crowd. And so that's the job that I've been moved in today, strategic partnerships. I deal with people all day. It is important that you understand what makes people tick. Being able to have a conversation that's fluid, that's natural, that gets people sort of into a comfortable space. Because let's be honest, interviews are uncomfortable for both the interviewer and the interviewee. Yeah, No one really wants to be in the interview room. And so if you can enjoy the conversation that you have with that individual for a 30-minute or one-hour period of time, you're more likely to come out of that with good marks. That's one area. I would say the other thing is really being able to tie your previous experience to the role that you are applying for today. I can't tell you how many times I see interviews come into the office that are for a product job, but all marketing experience. Right. All it requires is taking a few of the bullet points, refocusing them just a little bit in order to match the job description elements that are really being sought after. Sure. And so I think, you know, being able to thoughtfully go through what your experience has been And communicate that effectively while also building relationship and rapport with that interviewer are ways that I'm able to set myself apart. Good. Final piece of information from you, just to change gears, is not about interviewing,
0: but about being in a job. And top two or three things you do to ensure that you're advancing in that job and you're getting promotions and
2: you're being seen in the best light. What are the things going to help people that are in role advance? Well, I think the, the first thing is you've got to be excellent at what you do. So don't go into a job thinking about the promotion that you're going to have in the next year and a half, two, three years. You need to become excellent at that job. I usually put some time frames around it for myself that in six months I learned the job. The next 12 months I excellently executing against that job. And at the end of that 12 months, so call it an 18 month period, I start talking to people about promotion. Right. And so if you start talking about promotions and things like that too early, I think it sets you back. If you are focused 100 percent on the task at hand, I think that becomes helpful. Secondly, I would say that you must always continue to keep learning. I recently last week just took a trip, a two day trip. It was two red eyes. It was tough to get out there. It really didn't have a whole lot to do with my job, but it gave me an opportunity to learn about another part of the business. And when I come back to, to report on that, I'm excited about what I learned because it only helps me become a better employee, tie things in a little bit better in, in this corporate environment. And lastly, I would say people want to work with people they enjoy. Yeah. And we call it the airport test. I was a consultant, you know, flew around a lot. We would get stuck in the airport more often than you would want to. Nobody wants to be stuck in the airport with somebody they can't go grab a beer with. So once again, this theme that comes up for me consistently is one around uh, relationship and EQ. If you can build relationships with individuals who are not necessarily exactly like you, we're, we're all pretty much the same. We all want the same things and being able to build relationships and understand that and pass that, you know, stuck in the airport test. I think it's one of the really big factors and reasons why promotions have worked out for me. So that's great
1: information, Daniel. Again, thanks for opening up and giving our listeners the tricks of the trade on interview prep and and really how to connect with their interviewer and go above and beyond and hit on that EQ and let the IQ be more of the, the pass-fail thing. I think that was very insightful. But I just want to thank you and
0: wish you best of luck. Well, thank you guys Jason, let's move into the quickfire round. We've got some good feedback on this uh, round, so uh, let's get right into it. Jason, what's the best way to ask for a pay increase? I think the best thing you should do is not ask
1: for a pay increase when you need it or are expecting it uh, at that moment in time. It's really something that you should set yourself up for. So very early on in your process, I would approach my boss and talk to them about what I need to do and the time it takes to get to the next level. And then when that time comes after you distributed those behaviors, it's a very easy conversation. Great. Thanks. Sharad. what are the most common opportunities to improve in interviewing?
0: I think there's a couple of basic things that have a common theme. And then I'll tell you about something that can really elevate your interview. The most common opportunities to improve are really around practicing being very, very succinct and practice speaking with purpose. Too often, people are just saying as much as they can in their answers, but you really want to say what you need to say in the smallest amount of words so that the audience has the best chance of retaining that information and understanding what you're saying. And also, speaking with purpose is important in that if something is a point of parody, with a potential other candidate it's not really worth the time. I'd really focus on the points of differentiation and we can really sell yourself to the interviewer. I think what can really elevate one's interview to the next level is thinking about every time you speak, take the opportunity to build the pain point with the interviewer about what you're talking about, tell them what value you provide in that area, provide that supporting evidence as to why you have that value, and then finish with the classic what's in it for me. Help the interviewer understand why, as a result of you having that skill set or you know, that, that experience, that it's going to create value for the hiring manager. Jason, how do I deal with having multiple job offers?
1: Well, I just simply create a scorecard. I list the job and on another axis, I list what's important to me. And to some people that could be pay location, job function, advancement opportunities, environment, so on and so forth, and then just score them across. Some of those scores are pass, fail, or non-negotiable. And other of those scores, you might attribute a number value to them. And at the end of the day, just add them all up, and whoever has the highest number and, and passes all the criteria wins. Uh, that's what I found one of the easiest ways to deal with multiple offers. So, Sharag, we're going to end here with asking you If you're hired, what's your plan of action in the
0: first 90 days? Great question. Thanks, Jason. I'll be happy to answer that in the first part of the next episode. Don't forget to email us your questions at thecareerkings at gmail.com, and we'll answer them in future quick fire rounds. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Career Kings with hosts Chirag Tasker and Jason Spencer. Be sure to tune in to the next episode. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Career Kings, and leave your questions, which we may answer on future recordings. Subscribe to our show where you normally get your podcasts or access them on soundcloud.com.